Gerald, check. Marjorie, check. Grocery list, check. Astounding veterinarian bill, check. Continue apartment hunting so I won't be homeless in 29 days, pending. Water plants, pending. When are we getting started? Um, uh, you never told me your name? Yes, yes, yes. I have told you my name. I would remember. Marjorie, you really should tell me the name of your imaginary friend so I can join in all these fascinating conversations you always seem to be having. By the way, isn't someone supposed to be here by now to push all these glowing buttons and slide these slidery slider things? Welcome to Play on Words on CFUV 101.9 FM, located in beautiful Victoria. Today's program features yet another blunder to be solved in G's and the Unbidden Guest. And enjoy another rendition of prose from the public in Make Up a Poem right now. That's all coming up. Stay tuned. Our correspondent on the scene in the heart of downtown Victoria did not show up today, so we are... No, I'm here. I, I did show up. I regret to inform you, our charming listeners... That we have lost communication with our correspondent. I'm still here. There there are no technical errors. What are you talking about? Due to my purposeful disconnecting of our downtown correspondent, the next segment has been cancelled. Marjorie, did you say the show is cancelled? We can go home? Nothing is cancelled, Gerald. Sit back down. Is anything the matter? Uh, you've never told me a name, dear. Just make up a name. It isn't like you will remember it. Now that's the spirit. I hope this won't make us late. I'm on a fixed schedule, you know. Oh, go on, Marge. Rearrange your schedule. Put a few minutes out of place. We continue on with the adventures of Jeeves and Wooster. Hey, our mics are off. That's no fair. What did we ever do to deserve this? Sorry, Gerald. What was that, Marjorie? I can't hear you. Your mic is off? I do apologize, and I will submit an incident report. And... I actually don't care anymore. Just play the recording of what I said last week after this. As someone said, some are at some time to someone. That's all from me today, folks! What a sheer delight that you've tuned in. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Bertie Wooster, and you, well, whoever you may be, you're just in time for a recounting of the fond memories I have of my man, my valiant valet, Jeeves. Ah yes, Jeeves and I saw many misadventure. Why, just the other day I was reminiscing about the endeavor that brought Lady Malvern and her daughter Molly to my door. Stay a while, I'll provide you with all of the details. It was one of those topping mornings, and I had just climbed out from under the cold shower feeling like a two-year-old. As a matter of fact, I was especially bucked just then, because the day before I had asserted myself with Jeeves. Absolutely asserted myself, don't you know? 
You see, the way things had been going on, I was rapidly becoming a dashed serf. The man had jolly well oppressed me. I didn't so much mind when he made me give up one of my new suits, because Jeeves's judgment about suits is sound. But I as near as a toucher rebelled when he wouldn't let me wear a pair of cloth-topped boots which I loved like a couple of brothers. And when he tried to tread on me like a worm in the matter of a hat, I jolly well put my foot down and showed him who was who. It's a long story, and I haven't time to tell you now. But the point is that he wanted me to wear the long acre, as worn by John Drew, when I had set my heart on the country gentleman, as worn by another famous actor chappie. And the end of the matter was that, after a rather painful scene, I bought the country gentleman. So that's how things stood on this particular morning, and I was feeling kind of manly and independent. Well, I was in the bathroom, wondering what there was going to be for breakfast, while I massaged the good old spine with a rough towel and sang slightly, when there was a tap at the door. I stopped singing and opened the door an inch. What ho without there? Lady Malvern wishes to see you, sir. Eh? Lady Malvern, sir. She's waiting in the sitting room. Pull yourself together, Jeeves, my man. You know perfectly well there's no one waiting for me in the sitting room. How could there be when it's barely ten o'clock yet? I gathered from her ladyship, sir, that she had landed from an ocean liner at the early hour this morning. Who the deuce is Lady Malvern, Jeeves? Her ladyship did not confide in me, sir. Is she alone? Her ladyship is accompanied by Miss Molly Pershaw, sir. I fancy that she would be her ladyship's daughter. Oh, well, put out rich raiment of sorts and I'll be dressing. Our heather mixture lounge is in readiness, sir. Then lead me to it. While I was dressing, I kept trying to think who on earth Lady Malvern could be. It wasn't until I had climbed through the top of my shirt and was reaching out for the studs that I remembered. I've placed her, Jeeves. She's a pal of my Aunt Agatha. Indeed, sir. Yes, I met her at lunch one Sunday before I left my hometown. A very vicious specimen. Writes books. She wrote a book on social conditions in India when she came back from Dubar. Yes, sir. Pardon me, sir, but not that tie... Eh? Not that tie with the Heather Mixture Lounge, sir. What's wrong with this tie? I've seen you give it a nasty look before. Speak out like a man. What's the matter with it? It's too ornate, sir. Nonsense. A cheerful pink. Nothing more. Unsuitable, sir. Jeeves, this is the tie I wear. (sighs) Very good, sir. Dashed unpleasant. I could see that the man was wounded. But I was firm. I tied the tie, got into the coat and waistcoat, and went into the sitting room. Hello, hello, hello! Ah, how do you do, Mr. Worcester? You have never met my daughter Margaret, I think. Molly, darling, this is Mr. Worcester. Hello. Awfully glad to see you. So, you've popped over, eh? Making a long stay in the city? About a month. Your aunt gave me your address and told me to be sure and call on you. I was glad to hear this, as it showed that Aunt Agatha was beginning to come round a bit. There had been some unpleasantness a year before, when she had sent me over to the city to disentangle my cousin Gussie from the clutches of a girl on the music hall stage. When I tell you that by the time I had finished my operations, Gussie had not only married the girl, but had gone on the stage himself and was doing well, you'll understand that Aunt Agatha was upset to no small extent. I simply hadn't dared to go back and face her and it was a relief to find that time had healed the wound and all that sort of thing enough to make her tell her pals to look me up. What I mean is, much as I liked the city, I didn't want to have my home barred to me for the rest of my natural. Your aunt said that you would do anything that was in your power to be of assistance to us. Rather? 
Oh, rather, absolutely. Thank you so much. I want you to put dear Molly up for a little while. Put her up? For my clubs? No, no. Darling Molly is essentially a home bird. Aren't you, Molly, darling? Yes, mother. I should not like her to belong to clubs. I mean, put her up here. Have her to live with you while I'm away. These frightful words trickled out of her like honey. The woman simply didn't seem to understand the ghastly nature of her proposal. The thought of having an unbidden guest planted on me for an indefinite period appalled me. Absolutely appalled me, don't you know? I was just starting to say that the shot wasn't on the board at any price, and that the first sign Molly gave of trying to nestle into my little home I would yell for the police when she went on rolling placidly over me, as it were. I am leaving New York by the midday train, as I have to pay a visit to Sing Sing Prison. I am extremely interested in prison conditions. After that, I work my way gradually across the coast, visiting the points of interest on the journey. You see, Mr. Worcester, I am here principally on business. I shall not be able to spend more than a month in the country, as I have to get back for the season, but a month should be ample. I should love to take dear Molly with me, but the poor girl gets so sick when she travels by train. I shall have to pick her up on my return. From where I sat, I could see Jeeves in the dining room laying the breakfast table. I wished I could have had a minute with him alone. I felt certain that he would have been able to think of some way of putting a stop to this woman. It will be such a relief to know that Molly is safe with you, Mr. Worcester. I know what the temptations of a great city are. Hitherto dear Molly has been sheltered from them. She has lived quietly with me in the country. I know that you will look after her carefully, Mr. Worcester. She will give very little trouble. She is a vegetarian and a teetotaler and is devoted to reading. Give her a nice book and she will be quite contented. Thank you so much, Mr. Wooster. I don't know what I should have done without your help. Come, Molly. We have just time to see a few of the sights before my train goes. But I shall have to rely on you for most of my information about the city, darling. Be sure to keep your eyes open and take notes of your impressions. Goodbye, Mr. Wooster. It would be such I a help. I will send Molly back early in the afternoon. Coming, Mother. Jeeves, what about it? Sir? What's to be done? You heard it all, didn't you? You were in the dining room most of the time. That pill is coming to stay here. Pill, sir? The excrescence. I beg your pardon, sir? Young Molly will be staying here from tonight, Jeeves. Very good, sir. Breakfast is ready, sir. I could have sobbed into the bacon and eggs. That there wasn't any sympathy to be got out of Jeeves was what put the lid on it. But, with brooding on Molly... I was in a pretty reduced sort of state. The more I examined the situation, the more blighted it became. There was nothing I could do. If I slung Molly out, she would report to her mother, and she would pass it on to Aunt Agatha, and I didn't like to think what would happen then. Sooner or later I should be wanting to go back home, and I didn't want to get there and find Aunt Agatha waiting on the key for me with that stuffed eelskin. There was absolutely nothing for it but to put Molly up and make the best of it.
A delivery, sir. About midday, Molly's luggage arrived, and soon afterward a large parcel of what I took to be nice books. I brightened up a little when I saw it. It was one of those massive parcels and looked as if it had enough in it to keep the girl busy for a year. I felt a trifle more cheerful, and I got my country gentleman hat and stuck it on my head and gave the pink tie a twist and reeled out to take a bite of lunch with one or two of the lads at a neighboring hostelry. And what with excellent browsing and sluicing and cheery conversation and whatnot, the afternoon passed quite happily. By dinner time, I had almost forgotten blighted Molly's existence. I dined at the club and looked in at a show afterward, and it wasn't until fairly late that I got back to the flat. There were no signs of Molly, and I took it that she had gone to bed. Seemed rummy to me, though, that the parcel of nice books was still there with the string and paper on it. It looked as if Molly, after seeing Mother off at the station, had decided to call it a day. Jeeves came in with the nightly whiskey and soda. I could tell by the chappie's manner that he was still upset about the pink tie. Miss Pershore gone to bed, Jeeves? No, sir. Miss Pershore has not yet returned. Not returned? What do you mean? Miss Pershore came in shortly after 6.30 and, having dressed, went out again. What on earth? Better go and see what it is, Jeeves. Very good, sir. If you would not mind stepping this way, sir, I think we might be able to carry her in. Carry her in? The lady's lying on the mat, sir. Good heavens! What on earth has happened? She's had some sort of dashed fit. Jeeves, someone's been feeding her meat. Sir? She's a vegetarian, you know. She must have been digging into a steak or something. Call up a doctor. I hardly think it will be necessary, sir. If we just carry her inside... If you really think so, my man. Well, we had better bring her in, eh? Yes, sir. All right, then. You take the legs, and I'll take the arms. One, two, and... (sighs) 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 Off to bed with Molly, and then off to bed with me. Certainly, sir. Next morning, after I had sucked down a thoughtful cup of tea, I went into Molly's room to investigate. I expected to find the girl a wreck, but there she was, sitting up in bed, quite chirpy and reading gingery stories. What ho? 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 Um, how are you feeling this morning? Topping. I say, you know, that fellow of yours, Jeeves, you know, is a corker. I had a most frightful headache when I woke up, and he brought me a sort of strange, dark drink, and it put me right again at once. Said it was his own invention. I must see more of that lad. He seems to me distinctly one of the ones. You weighed something that disagreed with you last night, didn't you? No, I didn't do anything of the kind. I drank too much. Much too much. Lots and lots too much. And what's more, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it every night. If you ever see me sober, old top, tap me on the shoulder and say, tut tut, and I'll apologize and remedy the defect. But I say, you know, what about me? What about you? Well, I'm, so to speak, as it were, kind of responsible for you. What I mean to say is, if you go doing this sort of thing, I'm apt to get in the soup somewhat. I can't help your troubles. Listen to me, old thing. This is the first time in my life that I've had a real chance to yield to the temptations of a great city. What's the use of a great city having temptations if folks don't yield to them? Makes it so bally discouraging for a great city. 
Besides, Mother told me to keep my eyes open and collect impressions. I know just how you feel, old dear, and if my principles would permit it, I would simmer down for your sake. But duty first. This is the first time I've been let out alone, and I mean to make the most of it. We're only young once. Why interfere with life's morning? Young man, rejoice in thy youth. Tra-la, what ho? But- All my life, dear boy, I've been cooped up in the ancestral home at Much Middleford, in Shropshire. Until you've been cooped up in Much Middleford, you don't know what cooping is. The only time we get any excitement is when one of the choir boys is caught eating chocolate during the sermon. When that happens, we talk about it for days. I've got a month of New York, and I mean to store up a few happy memories for the long winter evenings. This is my only chance to collect a past, and I'm going to do it. Now tell me, old sport, how does one get in touch with that very decent chappy Jeeves? Does one ring a bell or shout a bit? I should like to discuss the subject of a good stiff brandy and soda with him. Uh, let me fetch him for you. Stay right there. Excuse me. Jeeves, this is getting a bit thick. Sir? You know what I mean. This lass seems to have chucked all the principles of a well-spent childhood. She has got it up her nose. Yes, sir. Well, I shall get blamed, don't you know? You know what my Aunt Agatha is like. Yes, sir. Very well, then. Jeeves, haven't you any scheme up your sleeve for coping with this blighter? No, sir. Are you still troubled by my pink tie? Is that what is stunting your ability to scheme? It's not my place to argue, sir. If I may, I have much to do, sir. And he shimmered off. Obstinate devil. So dashed absurd, don't you know? It wasn't as if there was anything wrong with that pink tie. It was a remarkably priceless effort, and much admired by the lads. But just because he did not appreciate the dashing thing, he left me flat. It was shortly after this that young Molly got the idea of bringing pals back in the small hours to continue the gay revels in the home. This was where I began to crack under the strain. You see, the part of the town where I was living wasn't the right place for that sort of thing. I knew lots of chappies down the square way who started the evening at 2 a.m., artists and writers and whatnot, who frolicked considerably until checked by the arrival of the morning milk. That was all right. They liked that sort of thing down there. The neighbors can't get to sleep unless there's someone dancing Hawaiian dances over their heads. But on 57th Street, the atmosphere wasn't right. And when Molly turned up at three in the morning with a collection of hearty lads who only stopped singing their college song when they started singing the old oaken bucket, there was a marked peevishness among the old settlers in the flats. The management was extremely terse over the telephone at breakfast time and took a lot of soothing. The next night, I came home early after a lonely dinner at a place which I'd chosen because there didn't seem any chance of meeting Molly there. Molly? Molly, are you in here? Ah, oh, a bit of peace and quiet. Bit dark, though. Where is that dastardly light switch? Uh, 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 what on earth? Get, get away! Ugh. Did you call, sir? Jeeves, there's something in there that grabs you by the leg! That would be Rollo, sir. Eh? I would have warned you of his presence, but I did not hear you come in. His temper is a little uncertain at present, as he has not yet settled down. Who the deuce is Rollo? Miss Pershaw is Bull Terrier, sir. The girl won him in a raffle and tied him to the leg of the table. If you will allow me, sir, I will go in and switch on the light. Please do, Jeeves. There really is nobody like Jeeves. He walked straight into the sitting room, 
the biggest feat since Daniel in the lion's den, without a quiver. What's more, his magnetism, or whatever they call it, was such that the dashed animal, instead of pinning him by the leg, calmed down as if he had had a bromide, and rolled over on his back with all his paws in the air. If Jeeves had been his rich uncle, he couldn't have been more chummy. Yet directly he caught sight of me again, he got all worked up and seemed to have only one idea in life, to start chewing me where he had left off. Oh, Rollo's just not used to you yet, sir. He's an excellent watchdog. I don't want a watchdog to keep me out of my rooms. No, sir. Well, what am I to do? No doubt in time, the animal will learn to discriminate, sir. He will learn to distinguish your peculiar scent. What do you mean, my peculiar scent? Correct the impression that I intend to hang about in the hall while life slips by in the hope that one of these days that dashed animal will decide that I smell all right. Jeeves? Sir? I'm going away tomorrow morning by the first train. I shall go and stop with Mr. Todd in the country. Do you wish me to accompany you, sir? No. Very good, sir. I don't know when I shall be back. Forward my letters. Yes, sir. And I'm taking my pink tie with me. Of course, sir. As a matter of fact, I was back within the week. Rocky Todd, the pal I went to stay with, is a strange sort of chap who lives all alone in the countryside and likes it. But little of that sort of thing goes a long way with me. Dear old Rocky is one of the best, but after a few days in his cottage in the woods, miles away from anywhere, city living, even with Molly on the premises, began to look pretty good to me. The days down in the countryside have 48 hours in them. You can't get to sleep at night because of the bellowing of the crickets, and you have to walk two miles for a drink and six for an evening paper. I thanked Rocky for his kind hospitality and caught the only train they have down in those parts. It landed me back in the city about dinner time. I went straight to the old flat. Jeeves came out of his lair. I looked round cautiously for Rollo. Where's that dog, Jeeves? Have you got him tied up? The animal's no longer here, sir. Miss Pershaw gave him to the porter, who sold him. She took a prejudice against the animal on account of being bitten by him in the calf of the leg. Ripping! Is Miss Pershaw in, Jeeves? No, sir. Do you expect her back to dinner? No, sir. Where is she? In prison, sir. In prison? Yes, sir. You don't mean in prison? Yes, sir. Good heavens! Why? She assaulted a constable, sir. Miss Pershaw assaulted a constable? Yes, sir. But, Jeeves, I say... This is frightful! Sir? What will Lady Malvern say when she finds out? I do not fancy that her ladyship will find out, sir. But she'll be back and want to know where she is. I rather fancy, sir, that Miss Pershaw's bit of time will have run out by then. But supposing it hasn't? In that event, sir, it may be judicious to prevaricate a little. How? If I might make the suggestion, sir, I should inform her ladyship that Miss Pershaw has left for a short visit to Boston. Why Boston? Very interesting and respectable centre, sir. Jeeves, I believe you've hit it. I fancy so, sir. Why, this is really the best thing that could have happened. If this hadn't turned up to prevent her, young Molly would have been in the sanatorium by the time Lady Malvern got back. Exactly, sir. The more I looked at it in that way, the sound of this prison wheeze seemed to me. There was no doubt in the world that prison was just what the doctor ordered for Molly. It was the only thing that could have pulled her up. I was sorry for the poor lass, but after all, I reflected, a person who had lived all her life with Lady Malvern, in a small village in the interior of Shropshire, 
wouldn't have much to kick at in a prison. Altogether, I began to feel absolutely braced again. Life became like what the poet Johnny says, one grand sweet song. Things went on so comfortably and peacefully for a couple of weeks that I give you my word that I'd almost forgotten such a person as Molly existed. The only flaw in the scheme of things was that Jeeves was still pained and distant. It wasn't anything he said or did, mind you, but there was a strange something about him all the time. Once when I was tying the pink tie, I caught sight of him in the looking glass. There was a kind of grieved look in his eye. And then Lady Malvern came back, a good bit ahead of schedule. I hadn't been expecting her for days. I'd forgotten how time had been slipping along. She turned up one morning while I was still in bed sipping tea and thinking of this and that. Jeeves flowed in with the announcement that he had just loosed her into the sitting room. I draped a few garments round me and went in. Good morning. So you've got back, eh? I have got back. I suppose you haven't breakfasted? I have not yet breakfasted. Won't you have an egg or something? Or a sausage or something? Or something? No, thank you. I called on you last night, but you were out. Awfully sorry. Had a pleasant trip? Extremely, thank you. See everything? Niagara Falls, Yellowstone Park, and the jolly old Grand Canyon and whatnot? I saw a great deal. I hope Margaret was not in your way, Mr. Wooster. Rather not. Great pals. Hit it off splendidly. You were her constant companion then? Absolutely. We were always together. Saw all the sights, don't you know? We'd take in the Museum of Art in the morning and have a bit of lunch at some good vegetarian place and then toddle along to a sacred concert in the afternoon and home to an early dinner. We usually played dominoes after dinner and then the early bed and the refreshing sleep. We had a great time. I was awfully sorry when she went away to Boston. Oh, Margaret is in Boston? Yes. I ought to have let you know, but of course we didn't know where you were. You were dodging all over the place, like a snipe, I mean. Don't you know? Dodging all over the place, and we couldn't get at you. Yes, Molly went off to Boston. You're sure she went to Boston? Oh, absolutely! Jeeves, Miss Pershore didn't change her mind about going to Boston, did she? No, sir. I thought I was right. Yes, Molly went to Boston. Then how do you account, Mr. Wooster, for the fact that when I went yesterday afternoon to Blackwell's Island Prison to secure material for my book, I saw poor dear Margaret there, dressed in a striped suit, seated beside a pile of stones with a hammer in her hands. Oh, I, uh... I tried to think of something to say, but nothing came. A chappie has to be a lot broader about the forehead than I am to handle a jolt like this. I strained the old bean till it creaked, but between the collar and the hair parting, nothing stirred. I was dumb. Which was lucky, because I wouldn't have had a chance to get any persiflage out of my system. Lady Malvern collared the conversation. She had been bottling it up, and now it came out with a rush. So this is how you have looked after my poor dear girl, Mr. Wooster. So this is how you have abused my trust. I left her in your charge, thinking that I could rely on you to shield her from evil. She came to you innocent, unversed in the ways of the world, confiding, 
unused to the temptations of a large city, and you led her astray. You deliberately. <clears throat> If I might explain, your ladyship. What on earth? I fancy, your ladyship, that you have misunderstood Mr. Wooster, and that he may have given you the impression that she was in Boston when Miss Pusher was removed. When Mr. Wooster informed your ladyship that Miss Pusher had gone to Boston, he was relying on the version I had given him of Miss Pusher's movements. Mr. Wooster was away, visiting a friend in the country at the time, and knew nothing of the matter till your ladyship informed him. I don't understand. I feared Mr. Wooster might be disturbed if he knew the truth, as he is so attached to Miss Pershore and has taken such pains to look after her. So I took the liberty of telling him that Miss Pershore had gone away for a visit. It might have been hard for Mr. Wooster to believe that the girl had gone to prison voluntarily, and from the best motives. But your ladyship, knowing her better, will readily understand. What did you say that Miss Pershore went to prison voluntarily? If I might explain, your ladyship, I think that your ladyship's parting words made a deep impression on Miss Pershore. I have frequently heard her speak to Mr. Wooster of her desire to do something to follow your ladyship's instructions and collect material for your ladyship's book on America. Mr. Wooster will bear me out when I say that Miss Pershore was frequently extremely depressed at the thought that she was doing so little to help. The idea of making a personal examination into the prison system of the country from within occurred to Miss Pershore very suddenly. One night, she embraced it eagerly. There was no restraining her. This, this doesn't make any sense. Surely, your ladyship, it is more reasonable to suppose that a gentlewoman of Miss Pershore's character went to prison of her own volition than that she committed some breach of the law which necessitated her arrest. <sighs> Mister Wooster, I apologize. I have done you an injustice. I should have known Margaret better. I should have had more faith in her pure, fine spirit. Absolutely. Your breakfast is ready, sir. Well, I shall leave you to it then. I must go visit dear Margaret. I will see myself out. Enjoy your eggs. <sighs> well then, time for breakfast indeed. I sat down and dallied in a dazed sort of way with a poached egg. Jeeves, you are certainly a lifesaver. Thank you, sir. Nothing would have convinced my aunt Agatha that I hadn't lured that blighter into riotous living. I fancy you are right, sir. I champed my egg for a bit. I was most awfully moved, don't you know, by the way Jeeves had rallied round. Something seemed to tell me that this was an occasion that called for rich rewards. For a moment, I hesitated. Then I made up my mind. <sighs> Jeeves, sir, that pink tie.、Uh, yes, sir. Burn it. <gasps> Thank you, sir. And Jeeves, yes, sir. Take a taxi and get me that long-acre hat as worn by John Drew. Thank you very much, sir. I felt most awfully braced. I felt as if the clouds had rolled away, and all was as it used to be. I felt like one of those chappies in the novels who calls off the fight with his wife in the last chapter and decides to forget and forgive. I felt I wanted to do all sorts of other things to show Jeeves that I appreciated him. Jeeves, it isn't enough. Is there anything else you would like? Yes, sir. If I might make the suggestion, fifty dollars. Fifty dollars? It will enable me to pay a debt of honor, sir. I owe it to Miss Pershaw. You owe Miss Pershaw fifty dollars? Yes, sir. I happened to meet her in the street the night she was arrested. I had been thinking a good deal about the most suitable method of inducing her to abandon her mode of living, sir. 
Miss Pershore was a little overexcited at the time, and I fancy that she mistook me for a friend of hers. At any rate, when I took the liberty of wagering her fifty dollars that she would not punch a passing policeman in the eye, she accepted the bet very cordially, and won it. Good show! Very good show indeed! Take this, Jeeves. Fifty isn't enough. Do you know, Jeeves? You're well. You absolutely stand alone. I endeavor to give satisfaction, sir. Play on Words presents Jeeves and the Unbidden Guest, written by P.G. Wodehouse and adapted for radio by Max Collins. Starring Paul Rozelle, Diana Draker, Sam Maroney, Yukari Peerless, and Esther Silk. Directed and edited by Max Collins. Sound by Anne Kristen Blanken. So, uh, I just played last week's intro. Jeez, is this thing on? Uh, uh, hello, everyone. Um, well, thank you. Thank you for listening to Play on Words. If you like this episode, please subscribe to Play on Words. Rate us, leave us a comment, and review the program at www.cfevpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This program was produced by Jordan Barron, Annie LePage, Tyler Swagger, and Max Collins. Music in this episode is performed by Vic Horvath. This episode was created by CFEV's production team. If you want to be part of making amazing productions like this one, head to cfev.ca to learn more. Play on Words is made possible with the generous support of our friends at the Victoria Arts Council and the Community Radio Fund of Canada. From me, the techie, and your host, Arcade, have a great night.